This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, your hosts, Jerem Jordan and Jason Shepard. BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Monday, January 18th. Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Shout out to the Reverend. I think we need his words more than ever. Uh, great to have you. I'm Jeremy Jordan alongside a man who is as aggressive in his life as Andy Reid is on fourth down, Jason Shepard. First and foremost, welcome back to Studio B. Oh, it's great to be here. It is great to see you person to person. I know. Socially been, distanced, been, of course. It's been a sec. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's been a sec. Uh, you but dare get closer. <laughs> don't you dare inch <laughs> one step closer. Yeah, look, I will not pretend that I would have been as aggressive as one big red was oh, man. on fourth and inches. Look, I, like uh, Jim Nance and Tony Romo, just assumed that my Chiefs were going to take the clock down, call a timeout, back then come back out in there. and either punt it or quarterback sneak on fourth down. I was as surprised and giddy as can be when Chad Henney, Anything is possible. Anything is possible. Yes. Uh, through to my guy, Tyreek Hill, for the first down, and that game was over. Yeah, that, I was sweating bullets. That was incredible. And congratulations to the Chiefs who move on to yes. the uh, AFC title yes. game, taking on the Bills. Uh, we'll talk about uh, all the Cougars in the NFL who won 2-1 and 2 lost. So uh, we'll break that down. Here's the show rundown. BYU has three of the top college football players in the nation, according to who? Three. Wow. <laughs> and uh, two in the top eight. How about that? Cougar Hoops is cruising. We'll chat with uh, head coach Mark Pope. Uh, and is BYU better through 14 games this year than last year? The numbers are interesting. Plus, as mentioned, Cougars in the NFL getting to the championship weekend. But first, here are today's headlines. All right, Jerem just referenced this. How about this, guys? Pro Football Focus ranked the 101 best players from the 2020 college football season, and three Cougars made the top 50. Zach Wilson was ranked as the third best player overall. Only Alabama's Devontae Smith and Mac Jones rank ahead of Zach Wilson. Higher than Trevor Lawrence. There are two Crimson Tide players and then Zach Wilson. Brady Christensen ranked eighth overall, and receiver Dax Milne came in at number 46. That is impressive, folks. Okay, Brady Christensen, first offensive lineman. Yes. Milne, fifth receiver. Are you kidding me? That's yeah. incredible. We're going we're gonna to talk a little bit more about this later on in the show. Also, Isaac Rex, freshman, mm. was named to the ESPN All-Bowl first team. I didn't know that was a thing, but if they're going to put BYU players on it, I'm all for it. Uh, and congratulations to... Uh, Isaac, he should thank Gunnar Romney the most because Gunnar would stop at the one or the two and then Isaac <laughs> would get a touchdown catch. Headline two, BYU Hoops beat San Francisco 72-63 on the hilltop led by 23 combined points from Gideon George and Richard Harward. Man, it's Ken Palm and net top 100 win on the road. Mark Pope was impressed with his team's toughness. Like if we could put more weekends like this together where these guys are just this tough and their resolve is this sure and they're able to manage frustration in such a focused way, it bodes well for the possibilities with this team because we will keep getting better. We'll keep executing better. Amen. BYU hosts Portland Thursday. Oh, yeah, BYU has a home game. It's been a month. (laughs) 9 Eastern on BYU Radio, pregame at 8 Eastern with your boy Jason Shepard. Checking in on Cougars in the National Football League playoff edition. Daniel Sorensen and the Kansas City Chiefs advance to the AFC title game. 
with a 22-17 win at home over Sione Taki Taki and the Cleveland Browns. Good Jamal man. Williams and the Packers beat the L.A. Rams and will now host the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the NFC Championship game. The Bucs are heading to Lambeau after defeating the New Orleans Saints in New Orleans. Taysom Hill did not play in that game due to a knee injury. Yeah, that was a bummer uh, to find that out before the game. Okay, and uh, last but not least, BYU sprinter Jaslyn Gardner clocked a 731 in the women's 60-meter dash to break the school record, which she owned and set last year at the BYU Cougar Indoor Invitational on Saturday. Amazing! We've had her on the show. She is awesome. And All-American Connor Mance ran an NCAA-leading 758.03 to win the men's 3,000 meters. And Zach McHorton, uh, Wharton, excuse me, took first in the men's pole vault, clearing uh, 5.55 in his season debut. Sophomore All-Americans mark currently the best in the NCAA at this point, which it's early, but that's awesome. So great performance by the Cougars at the BYU Cougar Indoor Invitational. Rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Okay, 14 games into the season, we can compare this BYU basketball team to last year's, and it is interesting because we talk so fondly about last year's team who was projected to be a sixth seed, was a top 25 team in March, and really resurrected BYU hoops from a team that didn't make the NIT the year before to NIT one and dones a couple years before, and it just was the best team in a decade. And here we sit with BYU men's basketball at 11-3, and coming off of a couple of top 100 wins, Jason. So through 14 games, is this team better than last year's team? I'm having a really difficult time comparing these two teams right now because of personnel. So I don't know if I'm ready to go there just yet because the teams are so different when you look at who's on the floor and the different matchups that BYU has. And let's also make sure that we're clear on this. Comparing last year to this year means you're comparing a team this year that through 14 games has already played three conference games. Last year through 14 games, they were still in non-conference. Four fewer games due yes. to COVID exactly. pushing the season back. So, if you, so just looking at some of the numbers. So last year at this point, BYU is 10-4. and four. This year they're 11-3. and three. Yep. So this year's team is one game better than, than last year. Yeah. What is interesting, though, when you look at what BYU is doing in terms of points per game and then points given up, there's only a difference of one point. Last year, they averaged 78, give up, gave up 67. This year, scoring 77, giving up 67. That's pretty remarkable. The biggest difference is, is within the shooting. Last year's team shot 50% from the field, 41% from three. This year, 47 versus 34. So last year's team was a significantly better shooting team, especially from three. But yeah, what, yeah, led the nation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so that's the biggest difference. But what this tells me, and the thing that really stands out to me more than anything else, is the job that the coaching staff is doing to get the, essentially the same production this year versus last year with a completely different team. I think that speaks very highly of this coaching staff. Yeah, it's a different recipe because it's not three-point shooting. It's rebounding yep. and defense, and BYU's not putting up uh, well, they are putting up similar numbers, but the last couple of games, BYU's had to do it a different way. Right. You know what BYU just did that last year's team didn't do? Win in Moraga and San Francisco. That's right. Which is crazy, yeah. right? And, and don't get me wrong, uh, BYU didn't have Yoli Childs for the first nine games. Don't forget that. And then Yoli Childs didn't play at St. Mary's uh, because he had broken his finger or dislocated it, right? So that was a storyline as well. I do believe, like you, that last year's team was better than this year's team at this point. 
But the numbers are interesting, right? So net, BYU's five spots better at this point than last year through 14 games. But they aren't better in Ken Palm. In fact, it's a big difference to 17, and then BPI is 13. So, uh, yeah, I think last year's team was better. It is a different way to do it, and that plays exactly into coaching. Because what if all of a sudden uh, BYU football has to just run the ball and they can't pass it as dynamically, which... You know, who knows? That might be the case. You're losing your best receiver. You're losing uh, in Dax Milne. You're losing Matt Bushman. You're losing three of the top five offensive linemen. It may have to be different in football. What basketball has done is pretty remarkable because, like you said, it's a different business model. It's a different recipe to get these wins. But it's notable that BYU, in spite of this, has thrived. Like football, BYU men's hoops is built for chaos. I think this plays into the general church uh, policies and and mindset of when uh, chaos occurs, we will be more prepared than we are normally because we think about this. So BYU amazingly has played 14 games and hasn't missed a single one because of COVID. It's been opponent issues, and we hope that all those opponents uh, get healthy and are okay, right? Because at the end of the day, who cares about basketball? Just be healthy and be okay. But BYU's been able to play all 14 games. And football only missed one game because of COVID and thrived. 11-1 and one on all these awesome lists. Zach Wilson's going to be like, top a, 50 players, like a top 10 pick, top 5 pick. I mean, it's just crazy. And BYU does not have the superstar power that it had last year. Yeah. You think about what Alex Barcelo was doing. There's some games where he's in single digits, points, and BYU's winning. It just depends on the game. And then you have Richard Harwood doing his thing and Gideon George, as we mentioned, and, and Matt Harm. It's just dip. Connor Harding goes from starter to playing a little bit. And it's just a different mindset, which, by the way, I wanted to ask you, do you feel like at some point BYU has to rein in the rotation, or can they still figure it out all the way to the end? Because typically at, I don't know, uh, in a couple of games, you kind of kind of ratchet that yes. down a little bit. Yeah, I, I think ultimately they will, but I still think even 14 games in, you're still trying to figure out what combinations work the best. We're and, at and barely I, halfway. Yes, and I think that that's why you saw a change in the starting lineup. You put Trevanell in the starting lineup, and you have Connor Harding coming off the bench. We clearly have seen over the last couple of games Gideon George yes. getting more playing time. Finally. What's, what's taking so well, long? Well, and look, look, his defense, the la- BYU – probably doesn't win these last two games without Gideon George's defense. Amen. He changed the dynamic of both of those games by being on the floor. His his length caused problems for both St. Mary's and for San Francisco. And I want to go back to something you said, because I, I said the same thing in my mind. You mentioned suit like star power. <laughs> yeah. But, but I, yeah. I, I changed that, and I, I went away from star power from last year, and I, I used the word uh, known commodities instead. Yeah. You had more known commodities at this level and at BYU that you could rely on. Now, you obviously knew what Jake Toulson had done at UVU, so he was somewhat of an unknown as to how it would translate to BYU, but 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 ultimately it did. This year, you have far less known commodities. You're relying on... On a freshman like Caleb Loner to be one of your best rebounders. Hey, George. Hey, JC yes. transfer from New Mexico. Hopefully he can defend Tommy Cook. And you know what Matt Harms did at Purdue. Is that going to translate here in this system? Yeah. So there were a, I think that makes it even more impressive that you're still getting the same type of contributions with less known commodities at BYU. I think that I think that's a pretty impressive thing to look at. And you, and you look at the wins BYU has. Think about it. These are all top 100 wins, right? St. John's, neutral. 
Utah State Road, Utah Home, San Diego State Road, St. Mary's Road, San Francisco Road. Mark Pope joked before the season, this is the kind of schedule that gets you fired. (laughs) That's what he said. It also gets you a contract uh, renewal, which he got earlier in the season as well. (laughs) But that's impressive what BYU's been able to do. So uh, BYU is you know in Lenardi's bracket, in Fox Sports, in The Athletic. BYU's in right now, and uh, we'll discuss a little bit later, but team rankings came out on Sunday morning yesterday and said, Hey, 89% chance BYU makes a tournament. I was like, 89? That sounds great. And it wasn't until the St. Mary's win where I felt like, yes, this is a tourney team. I felt like BYU was good, but I wasn't seeing Lenardi kind of validate it and then certain metrics. But once BYU played Gonzaga and played St. Mary's, the net has gone up like 20 spots the last couple days. Ken Pomp's saying BYU's going to win every game until Gonzaga at the very end, if that's when BYU plays Gonzaga. Still waiting to get confirmation whether that's the 6th or the 27th. But this is, this is exciting because it's more rugged. It's not as smooth and polished as it was last year, per se, because it's not about offense. Sometimes you, you watch good defense and good rebounding, and it's just different. But when Richard Harward is offensive rebounding, throwing a guy down and dunking, I feel something yeah. like a three-pointer. And it's, it's an and one the old-fashioned way. It's just a little different. Let me ask you this. We knew going into that St. Mary's game, because both teams were 0-1 coming into that, and we knew what was next for both teams. St. Mary's at Gonzaga, BYU at USF. We knew how important that game was because the loser of that game very realistically could be 0-3. Well, that's what St. Mary's is now. They still have to come to Provo. They still have to go to Spokane. Can St. Mary's rebound from this? Yeah, An 0-3 start? I don't... <laughs> I don't think St. Mary's is an attorney team this year. Like, if who's who's the best player? Tommy Cousy? Probably. He's been awesome in in becoming a guy, but you need like three dudes around him. Tanner Krebs, Malik Fitz, and Jordan Ford were a nice trio. What's the trio there? They're still trying to figure that out, right? Uh, Logan Johnson is not showing up every game. He's still figuring it out as well. Well, not having Alex Dukas was a big right. deal. That was a That's big deal. That's a big deal. Right. Uh, BYU hasn't had a starter in Gavin Baxter as well, so... It's, that's been something that BYU's had to deal with, too. And uh, they, they got another guy that was out, uh, uh, is it Jabe, uh, whatever. He yeah, started in yeah, the game. He had missed a couple games. So I, I don't know about St. Mary's. Like, I think San Francisco might challenge for the three, but I wouldn't put it past St. Mary's. All they do is win. Like, all Randy Bennett does is win. Fifth best winning percentage since 08 09 in college basketball. Like, I'm not going to count them out. But they're not a tourney team. St. Mary's not a tourney team this year unless they figure something out quickly. And BYU is barely in at the moment, right? But if BYU continues to do what they've been doing, Jason, they're going to be a single-digit seed. Like, the way BYU plays travels. BYU's not reliant on making threes every game. And some games you're off, some games you're you, They beat St. Mary's by hitting one. Yes, <laughs> they were one of and 10. they did in the in 2014, yeah. which is insane. So I, and they only hit five against San Francisco. It's not like right. they were shooting lights out from the Cause, perimeter. Because who's making them right now? Like nobody. Right. Alex Barcelo is picking his spots. Um, he's not. He's not asserting himself crazy aggressively. He's like he always thrown it into the post a bunch. St. Mary's, San Francisco. It's kind of an old school look. It's different. And how about the coaching staff? To your point, adjusting in the middle of the season like this to say. Hey, you know what we got to do this game? It's not all the dribble handoffs on the wing per se. We're going to dump it into the post a little more, and we'll have some one-on-one matchups. And we'll talk to Mark Pope about that uh, coming up. But our question of the day is: This year's BYU team better at this point of the season than last year's team? Why or why not? Let's hear from you, BYUSN, in Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. 
Pete Andrews on Twitter. You can weigh in on Instagram and Facebook as well. And uh, uh, MySpace. Uh, just kidding. Using the last two games as a sample, BYU may be the best team in the nation in the final 10 minutes of a game. BYU's losses this year have come because of very poor starts. The year's, uh, this year's team needs more consistency to be better than last year's team. Yeah, there have been stretches where it cost BYU. But, uh, yeah, the last, like, eight minutes in both games have been incredible. Uh, last ten and a half against St. Mary's. And then BYU's down seven, uh, you know, late in the second half here. And then Richard Harwood takes over. Uh, so, by the way, uh, the latest AP poll is out. BYU still not receiving votes. Zags uh, get all but two first place votes. Utah State got a vote. Utah State, by the way, helping out the resume over the weekend. Yes. Hosted. So the Mountain West is doing kind of the old BYU men's volleyball MPSF thing where they would host the team for two home games. So uh, Utah State hosted San Diego State for two and won both. And Utah State has won 10 in a row. Uh, maybe 11. So they're one of the hottest teams in the country. Last loss was in Logan to BYU. Yeah, and, and the Aztecs were up 10 at half mm. on Saturday and lost that game. Wow. So, yeah, so the Aztecs doing BYU no favors, but the Aggies are. <laughs> yes, they are. So it was a great week for BYU fans because uh, St. Mary's lost twice and uh, San Diego State lost twice. So that was good. Continue to weigh in on our question of the day, by the way, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Coming up, what's the ceiling for BYU freshman tight end Isaac Rex? Mm, it's high. How high is it? And uh, your favorite Kentucky Wildcat player turned BYU basketball head coach Mark Pope will join us from the annex next door. Eyes raised. Let's go. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Join us Tuesday for BYU Basketball with Mark Pope as the coach and Greg Rubel look back on the Bay Area sweep and look ahead to Portland and Pepperdine. Plus, watch Deep Blue with Caleb Lohner and Richard Harwood joins Jerem Jordan in the film room. It's Tuesday, 8.30 Eastern on the BYU TV app. Harwood, huh? Did I say Harwood? You said Harwood. See, that's the problem. That's what happened. We talk about this before we go on the air, and we joke about it, and then it seeps into your head. Like hardwood, like uh, the basketball court. It it makes sense. It's all good, man. Yes, it is Harwood, despite what the ESPN broadcasters said. Is it? I think it's been changed since then. Okay, we're live in Studio B, your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play. Jerem Jordan, Jason Shepard, Richard Harwood perhaps joining us later (laughs) as well. Now joining us on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline, he's the head coach of the BYU Cougars coming off of two top 100 wins. He is Mark Pope. What's up, Mark? Richard Hardwood. <laughs> I love it. He's, he's the man, right? Well, congratulations on uh, a couple of bi- big wins. Obviously, just the second win in Moraga in, in uh, BYU history. And then San Francisco, that's a team that beat BYU last year, and you go in there and get a win. So this was uh, unprecedented stuff for the Cougars. Yeah, it was it was a it was a huge trip for us. Uh, you know, you if you look at the schedule, the way it turned out, we start conference on the road at Gonzaga, at St. Mary's, at San Francisco. Uh, you need which, to answer that, which is not normally the way you anticipate it. You feel like the conference really got you if that's the way you start your season. Uh, but our guys responded great after a really tough loss at Gonzaga. Uh, they they had a great week last week. I'm so proud of them. Coach, after having uh, several weeks off in between games and then maybe playing one game, you finally get back to somewhat of a normal schedule with two games in a week. How good did that feel to get into that type of rhythm again? Yeah, it was good. It's it just we're so grateful to play. And, um, we, you know, I think with those three games on our belt, we feel like we're actually in conference play, right? And so we're excited about this week. we got two games coming up this week. 
We'll be playing at home for the first time in a month, which is so weird. And um, we're really excited about it. Playing uh, on the road versus playing at home. Obviously, playing at home has its benefits, even if there's not a crowd. But is there much of a difference this year playing at home when there's no crowd than playing on the road? Yeah, it's 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 just it's it's everything's so different, right? Um, so, you know, for us, we kind of feed off of, you know, example when we were at San Diego State, uh, it was such an epic game. It was, you know, they were playing so great at the time. Uh, uh, you know, and had their full roster and, and, uh, you know, I think they were a top 20 team at the time. And, and so it was such a massive game and there was so much intensity in the gym. Uh, after the game, you're kind of like, man, that was really fun. But could you imagine what it would have been like if the show had been in the building? Right. Yeah. Cause our guys really do feed off that energy and intensity of the crowd also. And it adds so much drama to the game. And so, you know, I've said this before, uh, you know, the one of the only two games we've had fans at was at Utah State. And it was it just was and it was only a couple thousand fans. Uh, but it just man, it changes the experience so much. So um, it definitely makes it different. Uh, and and we we miss the fans. We miss be, being in the Marriott Center with the fans that love us. And we miss being in other gyms with the fans that hate us because it adds so much to the experience. But, but with that said, uh, we're just so grateful to play. Coach, there were a lot of individual performances that we could talk about, but I want to first and foremost ask you about Gideon George. He provided such a lift in the games over the weekend on both ends, but certainly defensively. What's led to his emergence and his play over the last couple of games? Well, listen, Gideon's a special talent, uh, and he's even more than his talent. He's such a beautiful human being. Uh, and he's he's actually so funny as 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 we get to know him better and he gets to know us better. Uh, he just adds so many dimensions to our locker room and our team. Um, and he can make plays defensively that are that are really special. Now he can make plays offensively that are really different that are different than what we do. Also, um, he's every day he becomes more comfortable with our schemes and more comfortable with how we approach the game and. You know, we think he's going to have a real ceiling, but he was crucial in this. In this, you know, during this week, obviously made an unbelievable difference in the in the last ten minutes of the game, kind of managing a situation we were struggling with uh, against St. Mary's, and then in San Francisco, he had a couple almost back to back series where he had a, a a block in transition from behind that was um, was just beyond extraordinary, and follows it up uh, by. Making an incredibly fundamental play, taking a charge in transition, and um, so he's, you know, he's going to continue. Like we're going to see more and more and more of Gideon George as this season goes on, and he as he becomes more comfortable with the pace and intensity of Division One basketball, and 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 certainly with our system and how we do things. We're talking with former Columbia medical student Mark Pope here on BYU Sports <laughs> Nation, uh, Mark. Richard Harwood, Harwood, Hardwood had a tremendous uh, last eight minutes, especially against San Francisco. He kind of just put the team on his back, drawing charges, blocking shots, dunking it. Felt like the whole team fed off his energy, and he really helped uh, swing the momentum when, when you guys were down by seven or eight in that second half against San Francisco. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. You know, there's a fun uh, kind of a fun run in the second half where. Um, you know, we went small. We went smaller than we traditionally do with this lineup, and you know they had been uh, monstering the post on the catch really well in the first half and the first ten minutes of the second half, and 
So we went to a smaller lineup and spaced the floor a little bit and attacked that way for a couple possessions. And then they left Matt Harms by himself, and Matt scored in three of five possessions, uh, you know, kind of back, back to back to back. And then, um, and then, and then after all that, then you bring Rich in and throw him at at him. And I just think for an opponent, it's so frustrating. And and Rich, you know, makes an impact on both sides of the ball so quickly and physically. Uh, you know, sometimes it seems like he runs through nine guys to get to an offensive rebound. And by the time he comes up with it, all nine guys are laying on the floor, having been bowled over <laughs> and Rich is standing there alone to put the, put the ball back in the hoop. And, um, you know, he's also so good on the defensive end in terms of his rim protection and being able to take charges and move his feet. And he, he was awesome in both games. Coach, in the last segment, Jeremy and I were discussing uh, this year's team versus last year's team through 14 games. And I realize, obviously, it's different personnel, and last year's team through 14 games is still in non-conference. But we were trying to compare and see where these teams really matched up against each other. H- how would you compare this year versus last year through 14 games? And is there a chance maybe this team actually is better than last year's team through 14 games? Um, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I think we're just, it's just so different, right? We're, we're just completely different ball clubs. Uh, th- this team is new and new together. Uh, we still are, um, you know, we're still in the process of developing into who we can become. Um, you know, you talk about a guy like Gideon Jordan. So one, we have a lot of depth that we get to work with. And two, you're seeing guys grow every day into bigger roles, right? Um, and so this team is so dynamic in in the sense of of the way we attack different teams could change personal ways. The way we approach it uh, depth-wise could change things. And then this incredible growth that guys are seeing individually in their ability, you know, um, the uh, Caleb Lohner, uh, you know, was our worst points per possession guy offensively on the roster in the last four games. He's been the best, uh, most efficient offensive guy we've had on the team by far. And so you see that kind of growth and development and all of those things kind of um, is this kind of swirling stew of us trying to put this team together. Contrast that with last year where you're going to roll out the same guys every single game when they were healthy. And um and they were just the, the only real change in dynamics there from the first game to the last game was just kind of learning our system and learning how we play and, and feeling urgency. So, um, you know, I think uh, obviously last year's team, what they did was so tremendous and it was so special. And um, and, and they did it their own way, uh, you know, with incredible skill and being the top three-point shooting team in the country and being able to overcome some of the deficits that that roster faced. And this, this year's roster is doing it completely differently um, in terms of schematically and in terms of utilizing depth and in terms of having guys on the roster that are really, really growing immensely before our eyes and kind of all the dynamism that that, that adds the game. So I think it's hard to compare them. I think the one thing that is a constant is what made last year's team so incredibly special was their locker room. And I think uh, – Equally as important, maybe even more important to this year's team success so far and certainly in, in, in the coming games is going to be how good our locker room can be. And, and so that's the one thing that's stayed exactly the same. 
Best locker room in America, right? There's a hashtag. There's some shirts. If you make it a shirt, it's a real thing, right? Um, okay, Mark, if you shut your phone off for an hour, how many missed calls are you getting typically? You hear a beep in the background. I'm sorry, guys. Can you hear it? I got it. I got it. I got to mute it. Uh, <laughs> no, you're you good. know, I get a lot of I get a lot of texts of people complaining. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, what do they have to complain about? Eleven and three right now, which brings me to this, Mark. <laughs> you played 14 games. You haven't missed a single game due to any COVID issues. Obviously, you've had issues like everyone else has, but it hasn't prevented guys from playing games. How has this team been able to navigate that to be able to play 14? Yeah, we've been really fortunate. I, I mean, listen, you know, f- first of all, my guys are being really diligent in um, in trying to follow all the protocols they can, and uh, and you know, so they've they you know they've they're kind of leading a little bit of private lives right now, trying to be as careful as they can for their team. And beyond that, you just also have to be fortunate, right? We've been really fortunate because you, because we've seen over and over and over again, you can do everything right and still and still you know, test positive and, and have a setback. So um, it's been a combination of the two of the guys doing the best they can and then us being really fortunate as we move forward. What are the challenges with this week's games uh, against Portland and Pepperdine? So, yeah, so both teams uh, really push the ball in transition. Uh, both teams play lineups where they shoot it one through five. Uh, both teams really, really space the floor. So they have some similarities. Um, Pepperdine has six, significantly more size than San Francisco right now. Both teams are really, really well coached. Um, and it's going to feel much different than it, it, than it felt uh, this past week. Uh, completely different style where, where transition and spacing the floor are such key ingredients to what these teams do. Um, we'll face much different defensive schemes too. There were some similarities between uh, St. Mary's and, 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 uh, San Francisco in terms of both of them being elite teams in terms of taking away your assist game. They're going to make you play a little bit more in isolation. Both teams really, really focus on guarding the three point line and taking away the three. Uh, Pepperdine and, and Portland approach it differently defensively. They have different defensive focus and different defensive strength. So, uh, it's, it's a huge week for us. You know, Portland uh, already has beat Oregon State this year, had a, a great win against Oregon State. Um, Pepperdine, uh, you know, rolled into this season. They've had a little bit of disappointment and a little bit of COVID issues, uh, but they started the season um, as, you know, as a team that everybody was thinking would finish in the top three in this league, at least the top four. Uh, they, they have two um, guys right now that everybody think have the – potential to be big time pros uh in Kobe Ross who you know um is is put up ridiculous numbers in his entire career and and Kessler Edwards who you know looks every bit the part of being an NBA basketball player um as his career continues and uh and and so they're both really dangerous and and we're gonna have to play great basketball to compete well Mark we appreciate the time we know you're a busy dude you're getting ready for uh Portland then Pepperdine not once but twice which will be fun, Saturday, then next Wednesday. So uh, we appreciate the time, and we'll see you tomorrow on the Pope Show. Appreciate you guys. Thanks, Mark. That's Mark Pope on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. I still didn't get the answer I wanted of uh, how many times he'd, how many missed calls he'd have or how many texts he'd have in an hour. He's probably, his phone's probably blown up. He might be a two-phone guy. 
Ooh, you know multiple I mean? phone. Oh yeah, just battery. You got, you've got, you've got to have, yeah. you got to have it available at all times. Yes, listen. There's, you know, you're calling him to get info, and so and so's texting him and recruiting and what. Richard Harward's like, my name's Harward. You know, <laughs> the parents are calling, and you got to deal with a lot. You know. All right, coming up, BYU has two of the top ten players in college football. That, according to one publication, let's be honest, that's pretty cool. That's incredible. And what was the biggest no-call over the weekend? We'll discuss. This is BYU Sports Nation. This segment of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Visible Supply Chain Management. Catch the latest BYUSN right now with Kiki Solano. New episode drops tonight on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Am I cool enough to say it drops tonight? Yeah. You're one of the coolest guys I know, Jason. Come on, man. I don't know if that's a great endorsement. <laughs> what? Don't ask the question if you don't want to answer. No, I appreciate it. Even if you're lying, Do I appreciate you? it. He is Jason, and he's super cool. And I'm Jerem. <laughs> this is BYU Sports Nation. Let's whip it. Cougar Whip Round, presented by Visible Supply Chain Management, tackling America's most challenging shipping problem. All right, BYU gets no votes in the latest AP poll. But I award you no votes. I award you no votes, yes. Uh, however... Our brethren from the Cache Valley, the Utah State Aggies, get one. Which is the bigger oversight? I don't care. This is clear. (laughs) Top 25, if you're not in, I don't care. If you're one out, I don't care. But you're that close. Yay! You're not in the top 25. Sorry, was it the top 40? No. But Utah State gets one. Are you cool with that? Great, whatever. They're helping BYU's resume. Yes, in that's basketball. The, it helps. Yeah, that's the only reason that I care that they got one if vote. If Utah it helps BYU. was five and five, or what did they play? Yes, they. If they're if they were zero and ten, I'd be I'd fine with that. But can we find out where BYU was though in the actual rankings, just to see how far away from being in the top twenty-five they were? I'm anyway, gonna, I'm going to need some. Anyway, need the research team to get team on rank. That. We don't have one. Teamrankings.com <laughs> gives BYU an eighty-nine percent chance to make the NCAA tournament. Are you eighty-nine percent confident? Um. No, but that's it's asking me. Like even when my teams, it's like a hundred percent guarantee they're gonna win. I'm still nervous. I'm just the worst person when it comes to that. You're like the swing the other way guy. You're like, well, like I have to mentally prepare myself for disappointment. Disappointment. Look, I do believe with what BYU has done, they have set themselves up. Is it 89% right now? I, I, I'm not sure. There's too many more right now games. now it is. Yeah, well, it is according there's to teamrankings.com. There's 13 more games. Yes. There's still a lot more of games to be played. Team but I am very impressed, and I am confident that this team has put itself in position to be there at the end. Yeah, I, I, and I think you're projecting just right now. Yeah, I'm 89% confident. 13 games to go. Let's make sure BYU's healthy, continues to win, doesn't have non-St. Zaga kind of losses. BYU might have only Gonzaga losses. We'll see. But I, I figure BYU's going to lose at least once to somebody not named Gonzaga. At least once. All right, speaking of confidence, will Isaac Rex finish his BYU career as the best tight end in BYU history? No, I love Isaac. Wow, that was very fast. There have been a lot of great tight ends. Isaac is awesome, but he's not going to be a college football Hall of Famer. That's who Gordon Hudson was. And he How do you know that? And he has two NCAA records still. How do you know that today? It's, he doesn't play at a Power 5. That just There's bias, okay? Neither did Gordon Hudson. Dennis Pitta. <laughs> he played in the 80s. It was different, obviously. BYU won a natty. They can't do that now. Can't even get him to New Year's 6. It's too hard. Uh, without playing power fives. 
Dennis Pitt had uh, 2,901 receiving yards, still the most for a tight end in NCAA history. I was told I had to say that. I didn't want to Hello, say that. Hello, Hi, Dennis. Uh, he was on last week, coincidentally, when I wasn't. Isaac is going to be really good. Is he going to be the best ever? BYU's tight end you, man. You could argue that BYU has add good, as good of the tight end group as quarterbacks. Look, I... He was a freshman, okay? Yeah. It was unbelievably impressive. The 12 TDs as a freshman. I am not going to put a ceiling. I'm not going to give him a floor. The ceiling floor. is the roof, Michael. I am not, not going to put any barriers on what Isaac Rex can do. You just go do what you can do. In the Army. Against Army. Oh, wait. They're too scared to play. He could break Gordon Hudson's touchdown record at BYU. Tight end touchdowns, 22. I think it's... Not inconceivable that he could get 11 in three seasons. That could happen. Okay. Uh, oh, oh, and by the way, I think that Steve Clark needs to teach Isaac Rex, um, you know, proper ball control. So Steve got some shoes. Those are nice. This shoes. This is his son. Um, and and yeah, just look at Steve here. Ball control. With oh, look shoes. at that. Nicely done. No fumble. Got to keep it in there. Five points of contact. Let's go. Okay. More egregious no call. Daniel Sorensen's helmet to helmet hit where he uh, caused a fumble, big play in the uh, game against the Browns. Or your use of third person in the following tweet over the weekend, um, talking about the, the great weekend for Shep, third person, Joey basketball, check, Utah Jazz, check, Chiefs, check. We have a rule here that you can't go third person. So I am not only going to throw the flag on this, okay? I am go- also giving you a yellow card. Okay, you like pick up the flag. Fraction. No. No, after further review. Uh, With Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler, and David Nixon. You're actually for the rest of the show. (laughs) No, look, I grew up in the era of Carl Malone. I covered Carl Malone. The man talked in the third person every day. I will not, I will never apologize for a third person reference. In fact, when I do it. I wish you had a strong opinion for Even when I tweeted that out, I purposely did the third person to have people react to the third person. We have rules here. And look, Rule there was law. no hey, there was no flag thrown on the Daniel Sorensen play. Therefore, there was no targeting because it never happened. Well, they don't call it targeting, but yes. Uh, third person tweet. Third person tweet. And Daniel Sorensen. Although I love Danny, so I was like, shoot, did he get a winner with that one? Probably did. But hey, all's well that ends well. And the Chiefs won. That's all that I really care about. Coming up, a rise and shout-out to a record-breaker. Okay. Uh, And with all three BYU football players in the PFF Top 50, will all of them be drafted? And how many flags will be thrown on them later? This is BYU Sports Nation. Pick that flag up. You're lucky you're still on the rest of the show. You're lucky. Waving it off. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. For Cougar Sports game highlights, interviews, and archived content, subscribe to the BYU TV Sports YouTube channel today. Yeah, look, uh, two members of our crew uh, not doing their job, but watching YouTube right now. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, and one of them got a notification. Yep, slide that up. Nicely done. Okay, welcome back to BYU Sports Nation <laughs> live in Studio B. Great to have you, Jeremy Jordan, Jason Shepard. Uh, our crew is back in position uh, on manning the cameras, so that's great. Uh, okay, we talked about it earlier, but let's discuss some more. Pro Football Focus put out the top 101 players in college football from the 2020 season this morning. Three BYU Cougars on the list, if you missed it. Zach Wilson, the third best player in college football. Incredible. Uh, The second quarterback and first non-Alabama player. So Devontae Smith, who's like the best receiver in college football history, arguably, uh, at Alabama won the Heisman. uh, And then Mac Jones. And then Zach Wilson. Wow. Brady (laughs) Christensen at eighth. First offensive lineman. Higher than Penny Sewell, by the way. Crazy. Dax Milne, 
he opt out? I can't remember. 47th and 5th receiver. So riddle me this. The, these three, Dexman was 46th. Sorry, 46th. Thank you. 5th uh, receiver listed. Will all three of these guys be drafted? It seems obvious on the first two. I, I, be- I think believe that Dax with P- and PFF loves them some BYU man. They yes, love they do. Them some BYU. BYU has been very but, high there, but it's uh, neutrally graded. I, like they, but they are pushing Zach so hard, Brady so hard, uh, Dax on this list. I do believe all three will get drafted, and I know that there are some that think maybe Dax is free agent. I I am expecting him to be drafted later in the drafts, like fifth, sixth, seventh round. And he said, he told us his goal is fourth. Yes, and look, I'm not going to put it past him, especially, look, and they announced, I think it was over the weekend, it seems like the days kind of run together anymore, but they announced that the the scouting combine is going to be completely different. Mm -hmm. You're certainly going to be relying a lot more on each team's pro days, and and they may be... How's it going to be different? I missed it. Well, they're they're just not. They're not going to have it. Oh no! They're, they're not going to have. There's not going to be one. In, not everybody's going to go to Lucas Oil Field and do it like they have done. Gotcha. It will be much more regional, okay. and so you're going to put a lot more emphasis on the pro days. And I think that that's where a guy like Dax Milne. Obviously, I understand the pro days. I understand where that comes from. But I I certainly hope that the pro day is just part of it. And you look at what these guys did on film. I, oh, yeah. I, at the end of the day, oh, I yeah, hope yeah, that's yeah. what For ultimately sure. is what people make their decisions on. But I do believe all three get drafted. Yeah, it's really interesting. I, I agree with you. I think Dax gets drafted. I think he will kill it in person. Yes. Um, it, and listen, they'll send scouts. There were scouts at games still. There were Niners scouts uh, right by me at the uh, Boca Raton Bowl in the end zone. Uh, there were scouts. Was it Kyle Shanahan? No. I was like, what's up, Kyle? Uh, in the North at the North Alabama game, I saw at least uh, you know several five teams in person at least before the game, if not more. Right, all looking at Zach, obviously, but also Brady, Dax. Don't forget about other guys who will be undrafted type guys, um, and, and Kyrus Tonga in the mix, Matt Bushman in the mix, Isaiah Kafusi in the mix, among others, Troy Warner, Chris Wilcox. Perhaps not drafted, but at least free agent signing. So I, I'm interested. Obviously, the the question is when will these guys be drafted and by whom. Zach Wilson is going to be likely a top-five pick. So Jaguars, they're probably going to pick Trevor Lawrence. But Urban Meyer last week said, hey, at the number one pick, you look at Trevor, you look at Justin Fields, Ohio State, and you look at Zach. He named him in the discussion of number one. That That, doesn't mean he's going number one. But the fact that he is named is just amazing. But that's also to get people who may be interested in those other two quarterbacks to maybe trade up and sure. then Jaguars get sure. another asset. I'm Yes. I'm just pointing out the fact that he got mentioned as the number one. Oh, I think pick. it's great. It's crazy. So Jaguars won. You'd think Trevor Lawrence. Maybe the Ohio State thing with Justin Fields comes out. Jets. Sam Darnold's going to stay. So do they draft a quarterback at all? Yet the uh, passing game coordinator, uh, LaFleur from... Mike LaFleur. Mike LaFleur from the Niners is there as the OC now. So... We and I know the Niners like Zach. Yes, who doesn't like Zach though? Come on, Falcons heir apparent to Matt Ryan. I'll be surprised if Zach falls past four. If he if he gets to five, Bengals don't need a quarterback. Obviously, uh, with Joe Burrow, Philadelphia Eagles. Do they want to keep Jalen Hurts as the guy? Carson Wentz. It feels like that's he's on the outs there. We'll see. Detroit Lions at seven. They probably need a quarterback to replace Matt Stafford at some point. I think you're going to have a team trade up. He's going to be in the gets, top five. If he man. doesn't go number two. I think you're going to see a team maybe move up to get him. Well, okay, yeah, and if the Niners love him, they got to move up because they're at 12. Okay, Brady Christensen, he is not listed as a first-round guy by anybody. So it feels like he's a second- or third-round guy, which is a day-two prospect. Mm-hmm. 
I think that's fine and that's great. And I think that's where he goes. Do you, dis- I, do you disagree? No, no, no. I think I'm, okay. I'm looking at probably second round. I think that okay. makes a lot of sense. for. But I also think he is a guy that, with some of these workouts, has an opportunity to move up. Now, whether or not it's a high enough move, depending on where he would have gone in the second round to move up yeah. into the first, I don't know. But I certainly believe that with all of the metrics that we have seen on Brady Christensen and, and really kind of the hype around him, I, look, you cannot, especially with, and I know this, this sounds like, well, of course, with the NFL being such a quarterback-driven league, you have got to get guys on the offensive line to protect the investment at quarterback. Oh, and so it's there the is such second a pre- most coveted yes, position in football. It is such a premium to get offensive linemen, and when you've got a guy that has proven what Brady Christensen has done, I, I would not be surprised to see him move up maybe late first round, but I certainly am expecting second. Yeah. I wouldn't expect anything lower than a third round on Brady. He hasn't had an O-lineman drafted since 05, so that's going to be interesting. And then you think about quarterback. Uh, you go back to 07 draft with John Beck, right? Yeah. For quarterback drafted? Right. Yeah. Not Taysom, not Max. Uh, yeah, so it's been a minute. And then Dax Milne. And the exciting thing with Brady, so Zach's going to go to a terrible team unless a good team trades up, okay? But if they're a good team, they don't need a quarterback. So it's going to be a bad team. Um, Brady and Dax have a chance to go to a good team. So one of our teams. <laughs> Potentially. <laughs> yeah. Which could happen. So that's exciting. I'm stoked to see where these guys go. Kyrus is going to get a chance, like I mentioned. Isaiah Kafus is going to get a chance. I think Chris Wilcox will get a chance. We'll see with Troy Warner as well. Um, and I may have missed a few other guys. Chandon Herring and Tristan Hodge and, and others. This was uh, – and just, Cougar fans, brace yourself for this. I know we're all excited about 11-1, and one, and we should be. There's going to be a dip. Beer's not going to finish 11th in the country next year. Beer's not going to have a uh, first-round pick uh, in all likelihood. Hopefully they do, but the chances are they don't. And seven power fives. And, like, enjoy the, the fruits of 11-1. and one. Well, um, Because you have great players, and Beer didn't have to play a power five and took advantage and dominated in all but two games, uh, losing one and winning the other. And it, it's fun to see this. And then, and then we'll get around to the fact that BYU is probably going to try and get eight wins next fall. See, for me, and this is every year, it's not just this year, but with BYU having more high-profile draft picks, certainly with Zach Wilson, I, I, I think it's, it's all about fit. I really hope these guys go to a place where they are a good fit. Kyle Van is a perfect example. Goes to Detroit, it's just not a good fit. Now, he dealt with some injuries. And then he got moved to, to New England, and then he was unbelievable. You know what it's I mean? It was a, it was a better was fit. There. It's a good fit as well where he's at in Miami. So going where you have the best chance to be successful, that's key for yeah. all of it. Amen. All Amen. right, coming up. We so re- nobody to the Raiders. <laughs> we recap prop picks from the weekend. And who gets today's rise and shout-out? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation's Rise and Shoutout is presented by Mountain America Credit Union, guiding you forward. BYU Sports Nation, always on demand via the BYU TV and BYU Radio apps. BYU Radio app getting a a facelift a couple days ago, so check that out. You can also download the podcast, Google BYU Sports Nation podcast, and don't forget, while you're there, subscribe, rate, and review the show. Prop picks going into it. I'm down 2 nothing. I'm not going to spin the wheel until later in the week. Spoiler alert, I lost. Okay, number one, who will score the final point for the BYU Cougars? Alex Barcelo made 10 free throws to end the game for BYU. Uh, I had uh, Brandon Avery and Spencer at Trevenel, so nobody gets points. All right, uh, number two, which guard will score the most points in the game? Also, no points here. Uh, Jerem had Alex Barcelo. 
uh, who had 19. Uh, Spencer had Jamari Bouye, who had nine. The winner is Khalil Shabazz. He led all guards with 30. He made four threes in the last, like, one and a half minutes. I love that he had 30 and BYU still won. Yeah. Uh, he had 32 last year. But, uh, and finally, how many points will be scored in tomorrow's game? Closest to without going over. Shutout is complete. Thanks to you, Jason, for missing the previous two picks for me. <laughs> uh, the two teams combined for 134. We, um, yeah, I had 142. Spencer had 139. All right, so, so, so Spencer doesn't get the points. Yeah, that means after the Bay Area week in Jerem, you will be spinning the wheel later this week after nope. Spencer wins the week 2 nothing. Very fun. Our question of the day. Is this year's uh, BYU team better at this point of the season than last year's team? Why or why not? The Elite Voice of the Day is presented by Sundance Mountain Resort at jbings3 on Twitter. I don't think they are better at this point, but they have a higher ceiling. They're still a new team. They're getting used to each other. They have the ability to get much, uh, get better much better. Um, I think BYU could be good, absolutely, but... I don't think BYU is going to be talked about like a Dark Horse Final Four team like last year's team was. That was special. Yes, like, it was. Like, this year's team's good, but last year's team was, like, crazy good. So, um, yeah, agree, disagree a little bit, but the point is valid of there is time to figure it out, and the rotation's still pretty wide, and Gideon George now is like a guy. Trevor Nell's in the starting lineup. Richard Harward's getting better, so... It's interesting. Okay, today's Rise and Shoutouts are presented by Mountain American Credit Union, guiding you forward. Uh, I'm going to give mine to Drew Brees. There were reports yesterday that uh, he was going to retire after the season. Obviously, they lost. Uh, he's not made anything official, but if that was his last game, uh, I'm going to give him my sh- Rise and Shoutout. Just a great ambassador for all things good in the National Football League. Yeah, he's been incredible. And uh, an undersized uh, guy, right, right. Uh, in the league. Yep. It's the era of that a little bit, right? Mine goes to Jaslyn Gardner of uh, track and field. She broke her own record in the 60 meters over the weekend. Gosh, she's fast. and <laughs> She's awesome. We had her on the show last year after she broke it. Congratulations to Jaslyn. I don't doubt she'll break her own record again next year, perhaps. Kara, thanks to today's guest, Mark Pope. Conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Always use the hashtag BYUSN. Happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Uh, like I mentioned at the top of the show, we need his words now more than ever. For Jason, I'm Jerem. Shout out to Jarko Album. See you tomorrow for more BYUSN. Go Cougs!